Welcome to the official Bathtub Refinishing Podcast, powered by Bathtub Guys Refinishing. This is where we discuss the refinishing industry, interview owners and operators, and give tips to customers and entrepreneurs. Now, here's your host, Daniel Montalvo. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the official Bathtub Refinishing Podcast. Brought to you by Bathtub Guys Refinishing. Um, so I'm going to go ahead, start ahead with the... Yeah, I got shit on my shirt. Working on stuff in the shop in the back, and I might have gotten some stuff on my shirt. But anyway, um, I wanted to get on here today. There's a couple things that I want to talk about. Um, I got like the show kind of planned out. But I just wanted to give you guys kind of an update of what's been going on in my world. So... Uh, something that I would I thought was funny that I would share with you guys, especially people who are in the industry. Um, I had a customer yesterday, um, and uh, they were doing two bathrooms, um, and basically, you know, it was taking a little bit longer than expected. But the reason that it was taking longer than expected was because um, there was a water leak from the faucet. Now, normally we have something to divert the water, um, but sometimes, you know. Sometimes we run out, and it's not something that's super, super, super common. Um, and, you know, not to say that, you know, we, you should always be prepared for that, but we weren't. Uh, and, you know, it's not really our fault because people should kind of tell us if that's something that's going on. But I do understand, you know, where the customer was coming from. She was kind of upset about it. Um, you know, but we gave her the option, like, hey, would you be open to letting us come back another day and do this another day? Or, you know, do you just want the tech to do it wrong and, you know, possibly have water leak on it? And she chose the latter. <laughs> so uh, she, she chose to just, she said that she would take responsibility for it if something went wrong, um, which, I mean, regardless, you know, she is kind of right. We should have been prepared. So if she calls me back, I'll cut her a break, honestly. Um, you know, we'll go and fix it if we have to. But, you know, just... It, it's just crazy to me that, I mean, it was a $1,400 job. I don't, I wouldn't have, you know, I would have just told them to come back a different day, but maybe she was really in a rush or has people coming over to visit or something and needed the bathrooms. But I just thought I should share that with you guys in case something like that happens. Um, best case scenario is always try to, uh, you know, try to tell the customer the truth. Uh, you know, you know, we usually have the stuff we didn't have it. Um, and, uh, these are your options Now we could do it. Typically we don't like doing things the wrong way, but she re really, really was pushing the technician to do it. And, uh, you know, our techs don't like doing things that they know is going to come out wrong because it's just more work for them. But I told her, you know, you know, he's going to do it, but you know, um, and she, even though she took responsibility, if she does call me or, uh, you know, call us back eventually for something, I'll cut her a break because, you know. Even though it was far away and it was an inconvenience and we did tell her it's just all about providing good customer experience at the end of the day. And I get her side of it. Like refinishers out there, be prepared for something like that where you have to divert water down into the drain or something. We weren't prepared. Normally we always have something. But that day, you know, he had just used the last bit of it about a week ago. And the technician forgot. And it's things that happen. We're all human. So it's not that big of a deal. Um, so today I wanted to go ahead and... Uh, so so we finally finished that cloth tub that me and Alex have been working on. Well, 
I've been shooting the video. I helped him move it and stuff. But he really was the one that put his heart into that thing and made it look really, really nice. There's a couple little things that we're going to do with it. We're going to polish it and stuff to bring out a little bit more shine. But it came out really beautiful. And it, it was really, really shiny. It had flattened out a little bit here in the shop because of the humidity. Um, and so going forward, we kind of have a plan to, to mitigate that. Um, you know, for, for future uh, projects, I'm going to put my headphone down because... All right. Yeah, so we have a plan to kind of mitigate that for the future and so that it doesn't happen, you know, with someone who's a client or something because that tub is, you know, for the shop. So, um, but yeah, we finally finished it. Um, and uh, so I, I made a video. Uh, we had been shooting all throughout trying to get good uh, video of this thing and, and, you know, really put out uh, like a full restoration video. And we posted it on our Instagram, Facebook and I believe our LinkedIn, or my LinkedIn, one of those. And uh, so I wanted to show you guys and kind of break it down. And for those of you listening, um, you know, you can kind of just visualize or go see it um, after. But I'm going to go ahead and kind of break down, um, you know, what we did to it and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's what we're going to be doing maybe for like the first 10 minutes. I'm not going to go you know, inch for inch, I'm just going to kind of let the video play out. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to let the video play out and then, um, you know, just kind of commentate over it, pause here and there, but that's what we're going to do now. So uh, here is the antique bathtub full restoration video. This is directly off our Instagram page. I'm going to go ahead and cut to that now on the video you're going to see. Uh, and as you can see, my face disappeared if you're on the video version, but it's just so that you guys could really see what we did here. So let me see if I can... Uh, all right, so we're going to just play it from here because if I do full screen, I can't really monitor the podcast. So I'm going to go ahead and just start playing it. And uh, right away, I noticed that my speakers were set to the wrong thing. So let me switch that. There you go. So let's start from the beginning. So as you can see, when we got this thing, I mean, it was a big pile of rust. Um, this is after sandblasting it. Obviously, the sandblast gets rid of all that patina layer that just forms on the top. And there's me talking. Um, I'm going to go ahead and mute. It's just me explaining what we're doing. Um, here's the cloth feet, you know, that we were working on. Um, we did use a uh, not only the primer, which is a rust inhibitor, but we did spray an anti-corrosive spray from Rust-Oleum on there. It's black. It's really good. And we also did that on the bathtub. Uh, this is so that after we acid wash it and it's out in the open air with the humidity, that it doesn't re-kind of brushed back up right away. Because if you know anything about these cast iron uh, tubs, um, if you let them sit right after they're sandblasted, um, they will just rust right back up unless you have something to protect. And so, you know, we had to get this thing ready for primer, which is what Alex is about to shoot now in the video if you're keeping up. Um, and so... Uh, we needed something on there as like a buffer, so we had to spray the anti-corrosive on it right away as soon as we did the acid etch on the on the outside. Um, and then um, he just went to town going ahead and, and spraying the primer on there. Uh, we, we went with a time lapse for the video just, <clears throat> just for social media purposes so we can post it places. And uh, I think it came out really, really cool. Uh, it took a long time to make because we edit on a PC, but shoot everything on iPhones uh, for stuff like this. 
uh, just because I have an iPhone and transferring the files and stuff is a pain in the ass. But as you can see, like, uh, you know, Alex hasn't sprayed in a minute. Um, and sorry, I'm getting a call there. But Alex hasn't sprayed in a minute and he's still, you know, getting consistently, uh, you know, good, even coverage. And, uh, you know, he's he's like mechanical almost with the way he sprays these bathtubs. So, um, yeah, just a really, really uh, solid job. You know, he primed the thing well. And uh, you can, you're going to see on the video, I mean, there, there, I did what I could, but there is some distortion on some parts of the video where I just couldn't fix it because, um, like I said, it's tricky sometimes when you're transferring stuff from Apple devices over to PC. Sometimes there's a little distortion and stuff. But overall, I think it came out fantastic and, you know, he did a pretty good job. You see there, I, I kind of cut I cut the video there because for whatever reason, even though I got a solid video of him spraying the top, it distorted when I was editing the video. So uh, this is it after all the primer is on there. And uh, here's me talking again. So uh, Alex just got finished shooting uh, primer. Yep. On the got finished stuff. shooting the primer. Um, and uh, you can see those craters there now. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and mute it again, but he shot three coats on there. There is some little bit of cratering. This is something that's normal with cast iron. You got to remember cast iron is really, really porous. And so especially with one this old, things like that are common. Uh, what you want to do is make sure you get the anti-corrosive on there. If you're going to go with, with something that route, which is, you know, we recommend after the primer, uh, you know, shooting three coats of primer on there. Um, you know, that's really, really, really thick. So then, you know, you could think if you're going to shoot the top coat after, it's going to be fine. Um, and so here you can see um, him shooting the, uh, the claw feet. Another thing is if you want the really, really outside part of the bathtub really, really smooth, uh, you might have to body fill it or get it wrapped. Those are really the only options because, like I said, these things are 100 years old. This one in particular is from 1910. So getting it perfectly smooth is a task um but as you can see he's he's uh we're, we're doing a silver for the claw feet or what we did silver for the claw feet looks really really good I, I really love the way it looks and then for the outside top coat we went with like a uh, royal blue color uh and here he is mixing the uh material um he shot this time last because i was on a sales call but i'm gonna go ahead and put the music on but you can see this this is uh, very, very, very sped up. I just thought this would look cooler. It's like a little choppy and stuff, but uh, it looks cool. And, and it kind of speeds up the video along on this part. Uh, but you can get the idea. He sprayed two. Um, uh, well, I got video of two coats, but he sprayed three. I just didn't want to keep getting really repetitive with what I was showing. But you can see him here shoot the second cone on, uh, coat on the outside. And you can see a lot of the cratering has, you know, dissipated and gone away now it's not a hundred percent but like i said these old school tubs i mean it's just something that's part of it you know so um but i think it came out beautiful i absolutely love the color and uh at first i wasn't too hot on it but once i saw it applied and then i saw it contrasting with the white it's just night and day the difference um here you were talking about um the inside of the clawfoot tub itself it had a lot of body damage scratches chips all over the place and so it needed a lot of body work um in that area there where you put in the hardware around the drain 
and the outer lip especially. I mean, it was just really, really bad. And you can see if you're keeping up in the video or if you're, if you're going to go watch the video that uh, when we're showing the inside of the part where he's putting the Bondo on there. Now, we used uh, two different types of Bondo. We used the Bondo glass and then the Bondo red putty that is just uh, for finishing. Um, and a lot of the stuff, uh, you know, he had Bondoed already and then used the finishing on top of it. So you can kind of see there, that's after he sanded it down, um, just how much stuff needed to be covered. Now you can see here on the video, there's kind of some distortion there in the beginning. I don't know. Uh, I just, uh, you know, I, I had just gotten up and started to walk over there. But when I was editing the video, it started to distort. But I think it, anyway, it came out well because you can see him primering the inside here very clearly. And like I said, um, you know, Alex is a pretty gifted sprayer. I mean, he—I mean, look at—he just switches hands. I mean, you—he—he can paint with both of them, and uh, that's something that I think is really important. Um, my dad, uh, when he would teach, always said you need two hands for this. Um, and so you, you could see him switching hands and getting the right angle that he needs uh, very, very easily, getting some good even coverage. And you know, Alex shoots so consistently and thick that you know he only needs like one to two coats of primer to get it on there solid to where you can't even see any you know you can't see any zigzags or lines or anything like that like a crosshatch or zebra pattern or anything like that uh on his spray pattern because he just sprays so consistently even and thick and you know that's something that comes with experience really uh here he's mixing the top coat now a little trick of the trade you know, we mixed in about a, uh, a cup and, uh, yeah, about a cup of clear coat, and then we mix in the white with it. Now, we do this sometimes. It gives it a little something special, a little something extra to bring out some more shine. So we did it here, um, and uh, I think you're going to see at the end, I mean, just how beautiful this thing came out. Um, now, like I said, some of the shine had dulled out because, uh, you know, after the fact, because of the uh, humidity in the shop. But we, we, we have, you know, ways to bring it back. But when it's freshly applied, I mean, this thing looks like glass. It looks like, you know, absolutely beautiful. And uh, as you can see, I'm over here playing camera, man. Uh, I'm trying to do the best that I can to get this uh, video. And like I said, again, like Alex just... Very, very even with the coats. Uh, the gloss is coming through on the first coat, which is not typical for a lot of people who are inexperienced or even some experienced guys. I mean, he, he really is gifted in this. I mean, you could already start to see the reflection after the first coat. And typically the first coat's kind of like a tack coat um, where, you know, you're just laying the material on there so it receives the rest of the spray or the rest of the coats, uh, you know, evenly. So... He's getting it really, really, really nice and even. And, and I always describe the movement as kind of mechanical, um, you know, when, when these guys are spraying. And we teach our guys to spray like this. It's just, you know, the easiest way for us. Um, and, uh, there, yeah, I, I kind of zoomed in there, a little area where he missed. But he went and touched the back up because he was going to give a dedicated entire coat just to the floor part. So not just, you know, going up and down the sides, but a whole solid coat on the floor, which is important. You want it. You know, you want it to be thickly applied on there. Um, and that's just after one coat. Uh, and then here's him shooting the outside. Now, he did go back and shoot two more coats on there. So we gave this one three coats total. Uh, but you're going to see, you know, 
I, I came back out after he shot the other ones. Like, again, I didn't want to be super repetitive with um, what we were showing um, for time and stuff like that. But you're going to see when it's done. I mean, this thing came out light glass, absolutely beautiful. And uh, we're, like, really, really happy with it. Um, and uh, if you're wondering why he was wearing shorts and sandals and stuff, it's, we're in Florida. It's hot as hell. And, uh, yeah, I, I, you know, it's up. he's a pro. So I, I'm not going to make him wear a spray suit and stuff because he knows what the heck he's doing. Uh, one of our, you know, regular techs and stuff, and they have experience. They're professionals. But, you know, Alex has been doing this for about a decade. So it's it's a little bit different. Not like the usual boring white-on-white. White yeah, so uh, here I'm just kind of talking about uh, that we didn't want to do something that was boring, like the white-on-white white that everybody does, or, you know, white-on-black. We kind of want to go a little bit different. And uh, Alex had decided to do the royal blue with the uh, white in the inside and the silver feet. And once everything is together, I'm probably going to do some posts, but I really wanted to get the video out there just because there is a couple of things we got to do, and we're just time-constrained. But look at the tub, absolutely beautiful, like a glass-like sheen to it. And that is the combination of the clear coat with the top coat. Um, we use Midwest products on this. Um, I mean, it almost looks like it's wet from how, like, glossy it is. It came out absolutely beautiful, and there's the feet, like I had mentioned, silver for the feet. So, uh, yeah, this is just, you know, just like a little breakdown of, of what we did to this tub. And like I said, this tub was from 1910. So it's 111 years old. And uh, I think it's fair to say we brought this thing back. And, uh, you know, with a little bit of, of uh, care and maintenance and stuff like that, this thing could easily last another 100 years. I mean, it's, it's absolutely gorgeous. It's solid. And uh, it looks really, really good. I'm, I'm more than happy with it. Um, and that's the end of the video there. Now let's start playing again. But that's pretty much what I wanted to show you guys as far as uh, what we've been up to. I'm, I'm really, really happy with the Clawfoot tub. It's, those things are, uh, you know, I mean, it's, you're bringing back a part of history. So always, you know, looking forward to, to working on those and doing those. Let me go ahead and check my notes here. And uh, see. Okay, so next on the agenda. So um, we're going to do a Q&A. That's kind of what this episode was supposed to be mainly. Uh, but, sorry, I'm looking at my phone. This episode was supposed to mainly be a QA. and a um, I originally wasn't going to tie it into the podcast, but I figured that I would just because uh, it's easier to plan the show like this. Just throw it in there, put a little bit more time on it, and, you know, then I, I don't have to come up with a better idea for today. <laughs> so... Uh, here are some questions that I received from some people. And then, um, you know, I only got like two questions from people. So send in your questions, guys. Um, if you have questions for me, if you want to just know anything in general about refinishing or the industry, uh, we'll answer your questions on here. I'll answer them to the best of my ability. Um, and, uh, you know, and then I'm going to throw in some common questions as well, just because we only got two uh, questions from actual people. Uh, but the first question is um, from, I believe her name is April. Um, and uh, she asked, how do you repair rust on a tub? I work on a lot of tubs from the early 1900s and some have some serious rust issues. 
I read that Bondo will not adhere to Rust, question mark. So you, the best rule of thumb for Rust is to try to, your best to determine where the Rust is coming from. That is difficult sometimes, but there's a couple ways to tell. Normally, if it's really light and on the surface, well, then you can kind of assume it's surface rust. Normally, if it's rusting from underneath, you'll see like these little pinholes or it looks like something's poking outward from the bottom of the bathtub. Um, and usually that means that the tub is rusting from underneath. And if you know anything about how it rusts, uh, it'll start to break through upward um, and kind of protrude outward. You'll see like little areas like that. And it's kind of textured too. Um, we're always... Sorry, I'm just, there was like a noise in here. Anyway, we're always honest with the customers about rust and the limitations in dealing with things that are rusting. Um, for example, uh, if you cannot tell where the rust is coming from, I would say, and, and I'm just going to tell you, you know, if, you're not, if you don't know where it's coming from, it's really hard to warranty it. A lot of the times there are some tells, but a lot of the times there is no tells and you can't really tell 100% with certainty where the rust is coming from, in which case I would just tell the customer, hey, we warranty the job, but we could not warranty for rust. If it rusts back up or if the rust affects the integrity of the job, there's nothing you know we could really do about that. Um, as far as taking care of the rust, all that you could really do is use your acid etch on there or use your industrial cleaner, clean it off really, really well. If it's uh, something around the overflow uh, and it's like a small area, you know, about the size of a chip, and you can clearly see where the rust begins and ends, I would say cut it out with a Dremel. That's something that's, you know, easy to do. A Dremel tool that, you know, you can get like at Home Depot or Walmart or something like that, and you can kind of just uh, wear it down with that. Um, or you could just clean it out really well make sure you get all the rust out of there, spray anti-corrosive on there, and then go ahead with your regular process of doing the Bondo and uh, or the, the acid etch. I would do the acid etch just so the Bondo kind of adheres to that as well, kind of clings on. And then after you do the Bondo sand, it's smooth. Acid etch it again so that it can receive the primer. Um, if you don't want to do double acid etch, that's fine. Just kind of scuff up the area with a scotch pad or, you know, some some grady sandpaper, and it kind of will have the same effect there. Um, and you want to do that. And uh, so as far as it, the Bondo adhering, it's going to adhere to the surface, but it's not going to adhere to the rust directly. No, because the rust is just, uh, it's like the oxidation and the, the, de the, the degrading part of the surface. It's not part of the surface. It's something that's happening to the surface. So clean it out really well. Uh, try to get as much of it off there as possible. If you can cut it out, that's even better. Then do your regular process of Bondo on there, and then you'll be fine. Um, but... Keep in mind that if you are uh, dealing with something that's rusting from underneath or you don't know where the rust is coming from, always be honest to the customers about what to expect, you know, job expectations. And, uh, you know, if you can't put a number, I don't put any number because rust is unpredictable. If you can't put a number on it, just tell them, hey, I don't know how long this is going to last. Could be a couple days, could be a month, could be a couple years. But rust is unpredictable, and I've had times where it looks like light surface rust and a couple months later, it's coming back up again. There's nothing I could do about that because as refinishers, we cannot flip the tub upside down to kill the rust on the other side. Um, and we don't know how bad the rust is penetrated through the porcelain into the actual steel. So um, honesty is the best policy, but there is a couple things you can do, like I mentioned. So I, that's what I would recommend.
Um, so this one comes from uh, Trinidad. Uh, his name is Enzo Refinish on uh, Enzo. Yeah, Enzo Refinish on uh, on Instagram. Trinidad, me and him text back and forth. He's an up and coming guy, uh, refinisher who was in the industry a while back. Looking to get back into it, and uh, I talk with him all the time. So I'm 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 happy that he put a question in here. Um, and he asked, what are some of the major things to watch out for when dealing with hotels and larger apartment complexes? Thank you for your time and helping the industry grow as a whole. Uh, thank you for that. I, I appreciate that. Um, so as far as uh, major things to watch out for, I would say that uh, obviously the condition of the bathtub is a variable if it's been refinished before. Uh, that's another thing to watch out for one of the major things with hotels is the smell obviously they don't want it to disturb other guests so take precaution see what is available to you and what's not as far as uh exhausting the fumes outside a lot of hotels now because of suicides and things that happen with gun violence and stuff have the windows sealed off in a lot of hotels um and so they're not accessible to guests, so you can't run it out the window. If you're working in a hotel that has like a Linnae or something like that, that you can run the extractor hose outside of the front door, that might be an option. Although if it's in front of the pool, they might not want that. So you always kind of want to ask them what the best you know strategy is, you know, to get the smell out, uh, you know, and kind of give them options. Like we could do this, we could do this, and just you know. You know, maybe we could take it out to the front door or is that going to affect the people in the pool or do you want us to do this? Now, there is something and I'm going to touch on this in the future, but there is a self-contained extractor that we use here at Bathtub Guys. That's basically like an air scrubber, except for it's a lot more heavy duty. It's actually used by uh, by FEMA uh, when they're trying to get the smell out of moldy places and things that after like natural disasters and uh, it works really, really, really well. I'm not going to talk about it right now because I don't know the name of it, to be honest with you. It's in the shop, but I'm in the middle of this. I will talk about that maybe on another, on another episode or on a podcast or on a, on a post on Instagram or something and kind of dive deeper. But there is options that if you can't run out your actual 12-inch blower with the extractor fan uh, or in the, and the hose, uh, there is options that are self-contained that you can you know, using the broom and kind of just not have to deal with using the extractor if the hotel says that that's an issue. And we've used it before in fully enclosed hotels. You cannot smell a thing except for directly in the bathroom where they were working. So um, I'll talk more about that, but uh, that's just something to look out for. Uh, I would say the smell, whether the tubs have been refinished before or not. Another thing that's really important is bath mats. Uh, you know, there's a lot of variables that can happen with a bath mat, depending on how they're applied. Water can get underneath and settle and start to rust. And we did a embassy suites uh, a couple of years ago and underneath the bath mats, it looked like bullet holes. Um, terrible, looked very, very bad underneath. So, you know, you got to kind of factor that in. Maybe go to two or three rooms and ask them, hey, I need to look under the bath mat and rip them out and see what you see. And based off that, quote your price. Um, and uh, just working with hotels in general, don't undercut yourself just because they want it cheap. The hotels are going to cry about the price anyway. But this is something that, I, like I've talked about before, but we got to start changing this thing in the industry where 
hotels want to go with the cheapest thing and then they whine about the quality that they get and then they want a good company to do it really cheap. That's not how this thing works. It's not how this works in any other industry. It's not how it's going to work here. Uh, if somebody is charging you really, really cheap, they're not doing it out of the goodness of their heart. They're probably doing it because they're cutting corners. So don't undercut yourself too much. Obviously, when you're working commercial, if they're giving you enough volume and you can keep up with it comfortably, then you can work out your price like that. But don't go super, super low to compete with the garbage because odds are you're going to make yourself look bad instead of making that hotel regret not going with you. And it's always better to have them regret not going with you and be the first option next time and be more willing to open their pocketbook up, you know, old-timey saying, but you know what I mean, open the wallet up and uh, pay you guys more. Um, but if you go and half-ass it just to try to compete, well, guess what? You're never being considered again. And next time, they're not going to only not call you, but they're going to tell everybody in the industry that you suck. So I would rather you know, charge what I need to charge to comfortably make money and, uh, you know, also deliver a high quality product consistently and, uh, and, you know, possibly not get it competing with someone who's garbage and it's going to do a terrible job for 10, 20, 30, 40 bucks less. I'd rather lose on the project and have them regret it than have them regret going with me. So that's kind of how I look at things. It's one of those things, you know, you got to decide what's best for you. But that's just my opinion on that. Um, let me just think if there's anything else with hotels. Now, you see, this, I got to think because there's a lot of things that can happen with hotels. Please make sure that they are aware of what they're supposed to be using to clean the bathtubs and that they adhere to something that's a mild liquid, like a mild liquid, mild liquid, all-purpose cleaner. I can barely fucking talk. I don't know what's wrong with me. Mild liquid uh, all-purpose cleaner. You do not want to use something like Ajax, Comet, Soft Scrub. They use Ecolab products. So you got to know the equivalents. Uh, you do not want to use something that has uh, uh, that's the Soft Scrub equivalent. At Ecolab is something called Lemon Ease. That Embassy Swiss that I mentioned a little bit ago used Lemon Ease to clean their bathtubs. They got mad, but we fixed more than 100 bathtubs for free at that hotel. And we told the general manager and the director of engineering every single time we went out for a service call, hey, you guys need to change the cleaner. We're going to do these as a courtesy, but you really need to change the cleaner. That lemony stuff is basically like a soft scrub. It's like a paste and it has little uh, micro uh, abrasions in it. This one specifically had silica crystalline quartz in it which is like a rock and it scratches the fuck out of the bathtub. It's what it does. It's not meant to be used on refinished bathtubs. I'm assuming it's fine. Not really fine, but it'll not do a shit ton of damage on like a porcelain tub that's never been refinished. But if you know, and if you follow me for a long time, use something that's too abrasive on a porcelain tub. That's why you get that worn look on the bottom of the tub where it looks grayish or something. It's because they used abrasive cleaners to clean it. That's the bare metal showing through. It's not that it's dirty. It's that they use something too abrasive and it strips the porcelain. Now, that stuff is good for like ceramics, toilets, uh, things that like that. Um, but for a refinished bathtub, you can't use that. Well, somebody at Ecolab told that hotel that they could use that. And instead of listening to us, the professional, they listened to them. They never changed it because why would they? We were over there fixing them for free every other week. And eventually I pulled the plug and I was like, 
I'm going to have to void the warranty on all the tubs we did here. They got mad. They got upset. They were really upset with us. I don't know. I, I offered to meet with them and all this stuff, and they didn't want to meet with us. A couple of weeks later, one of the guys from engineering writes us a negative review on Facebook, and I, uh, I got him to take it down because I told him, like, you guys got to remember, we are, just because we offer you a warranty does not mean that we're a slave to your hotel. If you guys cannot follow instruction, that is not my problem. Uh, and we gave them a lot of breaks, which is, you know, it's really something that these giant companies, uh, they, 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 uh, you know, it's a million dollar hotel. I mean, it, it, it's, it, it's a, it was an embassy suite. So it's a giant chain. It's a multi-million dollar, uh, chain of hotels and they cannot have their engineering or cleaning department follow specific written instructions and it's not anything crazy no bleach no acid just use a regular all-purpose cleaner a lot of these hotels use oasis pink cleaner from ecolab which isn't the best thing but you can use that because they dilute it plenty but you cannot use something like that and after repeatedly being told don't use it please we're going to do these as a courtesy and when I say we did 100, I'm talking about 100. That's a third of the project that we ended up going back and doing for free as a courtesy. They never changed. And I'm not going to stay there and take that. So keep in mind what they're cleaning. Ask what they're cleaning. And if they say that they don't use anything abrasive and they don't want to give you a name of what they're using, tell them that you need to see the car or ask someone in housekeeping what they're going to, you know, what they use to clean tubs normally and find out. Because the last thing you want is to deal with a situation like that one. Now, the guy did end up taking down the negative review and stuff because I told them the stuff how it was. I was like, you know, at this point, like, we've, we did it above and beyond what we needed to do. I could have easily seen that they cleaned everything incorrectly and voided all the warranty on the bathtubs, but I gave them a break. But now I don't play that game. I had a hotel in Miami. They... Uh, you know, I told them like like a child. I'm like, this is what you're supposed to use. This is what you're supposed to use. Sent it to the to the general manager. Sent it to the contractor. Sent it to directors of housekeeping and stuff. They used something that was wrong. What am I supposed to do? Am I supposed to honor the warranty after I told you this is what you have to use and you don't change? I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. Um, and we you know we did fix them, but you know. They haven't called me back, and I told them, like, you know, you're not going to want to call me back because what am I supposed to do if you can't follow the rules? To, it, it, and the thing is, I don't establish these rules after. I, I always am proactive about this and establish what you need to use to clean first. And then after the fact, just tell them, stick by what we talked about. Hotels don't like to listen. And sometimes it's not really the hotel's fault. They have brand standards, but if the brand standards conflict with the what you're going to be doing, just make certain that you tell them the terms of your warranty, and if they break them, you're going to have to void the warranty for them. That's just how it is. If the brand standards interfere with uh, the work that you're doing there, either you're not a good fit for them or um, or they're just going to have to deal with it. That's That's kind of just how it is. Um, and it's like that with anything. It's like that with anything. So some common questions that I get moving on, you know, moving on from that. Some common questions that I get is how should clients maintain a refinished surface? So like I talked about, you want to use something like Simple Green, which is what we recommend the most. 
Simple Green is just a great degreaser, all-purpose cleaner, disinfectant. It does it all, and it's really, really good. It smells like mint. There are some that smell like citrus, and uh, it's really, really good stuff. There's also, uh, you can use uh, Fabuloso, which is, you know, like a liquid detergent type of thing. Um, you can use uh, Fantastic for bathroom. You can use... Um, Pretty much any simple cleaner that is free of uh, high concentrates of acid. You don't want to have bleach in there. And uh, you don't want to use something too abrasive like an Ajax or a soft scrub or a Comet. Um, although Comet has a cleaner that is liquid, that's not too bad. Um, but I would say stay away from Comet in general. Um, you don't want to use Clorox. And uh, stuff like that because you wouldn't, like, like I always tell customers, you wouldn't use bleach and Clorox to clean your car, your car's in, uh, exterior. So don't use it on the bathtub. Simple as that. A lot of car products are great. Turtle wax cleaners are great for that because there's similar, you know, chemistry there. Um, and uh, if you have non-slip on the bathtub, it is a little bit harder to clean than the regular surface. But if you let the material uh, or the cleaner do its job, and you spray it on there, let it sit for five minutes, and then with a soft sponge or a uh, soft uh, bristle brush, brush the non-slip, everything comes off of it. It's really, really easy to clean and maintain. Um, we do recommend that uh, every three or four months you polish the bathtub. Uh, it doesn't have to be like a professional polishing job, but just use like a turtle wax or something. And what it does is it helps maintain the shine and build like a protective film on the bathtub. It's not necessary, but we do recommend it. Um, and uh, I usually tell people to get either the turtle wax, actual wax, or to get the spray wax. In my opinion, it's better because turtle wax has a lot of products. And they do have some that are uh, waxes for like cutting compounds and stuff. And if you accidentally buy that, it's way too abrasive for a bathtub and it'll mess it up you know, as far as a refinished bathtub. So I usually tell people go with like the liquid turtle wax if you're going to use that. But as far as cleaning, it's really, really simple. The simplest cleaner, you could use dish soap if you want, a soft sponge, no abrasive sides. And they're really easy to maintain and they last a long time. They do last a long time. Um, the, you know, we, we've had a couple people because my dad started this back in Massachusetts a long time ago. And we've had people call 15 years later, oh, well, the tub's starting to get discolored or something, but it's not peeling. It doesn't come off. And if you do this stuff right by the book, it doesn't come off. And if you take care of it correctly, we warranty it for seven years. But like as you can see, somebody, it lasted more than double. So the stuff lasts if you take care of it properly. Um, another question that I get all the time is, what material do you use? So... At Bathtub Guys, we have used Midwest Chemical for a long time, probably 15, 20 years, starting when, you know, my dad, you know, used them. And he used them when they were actually back in the Midwest. That's why they're called Midwest Chemical. And funny enough, my dad moved down to Florida, and they, a couple months later, moved their headquarters down here to Florida as well. So, like, and it's in Orlando, funny enough. So we can go pick up Midwest product you know, right from, you know, 20 or 30 minutes away. It's not so bad. You know, that's actually pretty good. So we use Midwest Chemical, and the reason I like Midwest Chemical is because 
they're still semi a smaller operation compared to the big guys like Topcoat and Hawks, but uh, but Midwest Chemical is a great you know great distributor. Um, they use uh, what's industry standard at this point. It's still the industry standard. It's a two part uh, polyurethane acrylic enamel or a two part polyurethane that's aliphatic, uh, which means it's not going to yellow or it's going to be harder to yellow. Um, and you know the primer that we use is aerospace epoxy primer. The top coat is called HSLD five thousand. Uh, we use a twenty four hour cure in China white for most things. Uh, you know, obviously we could tint it or whatever to whatever color we need. Aerospace primer and you know the catalyst, and we get the primer in bone. I typically tell people to get the primer in a different shade. Bone is really easy because it's kind of like a yellowish orange color, and that way you can very clearly see. Uh, you know, that you're getting even coverage when you're spraying white because there's a, dis- there's a discrepancy in the colors of the primer and the top coat. Um, and that way it ensures that you put a thick enough coat to cover that. So, it, you know, that's what we use. Um, they have some really, really great products for prepping. Uh, if you need denatured alcohol, they sell Premier Cleaner, which is denatured alcohol, basically. Um, if you need a mild acid wash uh, and don't want to use uh, the 30% hydrofluoric acid, uh, they have the, uh, or can't use it if you're using it on something that's fiberglass, uh, industrial wash or industrial cleaner, uh, really, really good, has only 3%, just enough to scuff it up and dull it out if you're using something, um, if you're doing it on a surface, it's like a jacuzzi or a garden tub or just a fiberglass tub in general, one of those fiberglass units, fantastic for that. And then obviously they have the glass well, the acid etch, uh, 30% hydrofluoric acid, which is very, very intense, but it does the job. It's really, really good stuff, and it's great for adhesion of porcelain, tile, ceramics, all that type of stuff. So uh, they have great products. They have uh, New Tech Wipe-On Primer, which is really good. We've used that in projects before. It's a primer, bonding agent that wipes directly on the surface, and you can you don't need to use an epoxy primer for that. Now, we found that for color changes, it's actually better to just use the epoxy primer because... It eats up that color. If you if you're painting something that's like from the factory, a blue or a red or a green, which we get that in Florida, or a black, uh, the primer really helps eat up the color and not have you use as much top coat. But if you're doing white on white and it's just a basic, you know, like kind of sprucing the tub up a little bit so it looks nicer, the wipe on primer is fine for that. And and the only thing with the wipe on primer is you got to wait 30 minutes to uh, spray top coat. Uh, which is fine. Um, there's another one now called, uh, they just released at Midwest. And that's something I like about Midwest that they're always innovating and updating products. So that's another thing to keep in mind. Um, this one is called Verbinding. Uh, and it's a German engineered one. It works similar to, from what I understand, it works similar to the aerospace, although this one can be applied uh, via wipe-on or through the spray gun. It does have a self-etching uh, capabilities. So if you know anything about the aerospace primer, it's self-etching, which is good. You don't have to scuff it up or anything before you go. Um, and uh, and so it has some self-etching technology in there. It's wipe-on, and uh, 15 minutes is the time. So you can spray or you can apply it or spray it. 15 minutes later, it's ready for, for top coat. So that, that's another good option. But normally for 99% of things, we stick with epoxy primer. Uh, I think it's better to have more coats on there and a more separation between 
the bottom layer and the top layer, but there are some use cases where uh, wipe on primer could be, you know, valuable. Other than that, you know, they carry, you know, like the speckled stuff. Uh, theirs is called multi-spec or multi-stone. Uh, they buy it from another company, I believe. But, they, you know, they sell it. You have a ton of selection. Uh, they're always coming out with new colors. Just recently, uh, we updated on our website. They added, like, um, some metallic finishes that look really, really nice. And we actually use those on the feet for the claw tub, uh, for the claw foot tub. Uh, so, you know, uh, something I love about Midwest, they're always updating. They have... Uh, product that you know is for finishing and gives you like an extra gloss for the top coat they got uh, products that are you know safer for the environment they have ones that you know if you're on a real real strict budget that's probably better for you they have uh, ones that are uv light uh, you know they dry almost instantly with uv light they have a ton of selection and uh, you know they're always updating so midwest chemicals what we use and what we use most of the time and probably what we're going to continue to use until um, I see something that's very, very convincing of me to change my choice there, but their products are consistent and we have no problem warranting it for seven years. Um, and we've used, uh, another thing, uh, we, we've used Midwest for years, but another thing is their support is amazing. If you call the lineup and you ask for the uh, chemist who actually makes the product, uh, his name is Ed, man will tell you whatever you need to know. And if he doesn't know something, he will get in there and experiment on it and give you an answer. Fantastic guy. And, uh, you know, they're always willing to help. So I say Midwest Chemical. And, uh, you know, I'd say give them a shot if you haven't tried them. But um, they are they are the go-to for bathtub guys and have been for quite a while. Um, another question I get a lot, you know, this is from people who are in the industry um, I get people asking me, how do you get people to pay you more or to pay more for the surface or for the service? Um, a couple simple ways is to just give people more value. If people feel like they're getting more out of you, then they're more willing to pay to get more. Um, so perfect example, if you're, if you're giving someone a cost estimate, don't just don't just throw them a number and then, you know, leave it at that. Break down thoroughly what you're going to do in the process what your process specifically is and what, what, what you do that differentiates yourself from other people. Um, and also provide value on social media. Do things for free. You know, do a lot of before and afters. Uh, if somebody is giving you like a hotel or a resort or something uh, and, you know, you want to charge a little bit more and they give you the opportunity to do an estimate or, um, or uh, to do a sample room after you give them an estimate, you're kind of already there, and what you got to do is tell them, hey, we trust our product so much, we're going to do the first one on the house. Uh, you will not believe the power of giving people a little something, you know, for free. And obviously for your work and residential, you can't really do that, but you know, there's a couple things you, you can do, you know. You can tell people, like, the customers that you already have, make their experience fantastic so that they tell their friends, and then their friends have in their mind, I'm only going to use you. And you can kind of control the price like that. If, if someone's a referral, the chances of them going with you is super, super high, even if you change the price or charge them more. Because, you know, their friend had such a fantastic experience that they don't, they don't, even, they don't even care. They just want you to do it for them and do a good job. So there's a couple things you can do there, you know. I always say provide people more value. Um, 
you know, let people know everything that you're going to be doing because the more things that they know that you're going to be doing, the more that dollar amount starts seeming like it's priced fairly or even underpriced. And you want to be in that. You want to find that happy medium of like, dang, you know, this thing should be even costing more. And if you make it clear to them too that, you know, if they if they bring it up or, uh, you know, it's something that they're considering, you know, making clear to them that replacing costs so much more and even at this price or even for $100 more than this price that we're giving you, I mean, you're still talking about like most of the times less than 10% of the cost of, re of replacing. So I would say that's like you know, the best thing to do. Make, make everything very clear to them, give them value, and people will pay more in the long run for that. All right, so um, I guess today was going to be kind of a shorter episode. I have 48 minutes in, and uh, I pretty much said everything that I wanted to say here. Um, kind of going back to one of the Q&A questions real quick. Uh, he, the uh, Enzo Refinish Trinidad asked, hotels and larger apartments – uh, with apartment complexes, be very, very wary about giving them a warranty. Um, if you do, make sure that they tell their tenants what to use to clean because they're rented out. They can't really police what individuals are using in apartments. Um, it might be good to make like a refrigerator magnet with the rules uh, to maintain it. And then that way, if something happens, uh, the apartment complex can hold on to their deposit and pay you again to come back and fix them if they if they break the rules um, to clean them or maintain them or use a bath mat or something like that. Um, so that's one thing I, I didn't want to add there. But other than that, I don't think I really have anything else to touch on today. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter episode, uh, you know, maybe by 30 minutes or so. Uh, we're at 49 minutes, so right about 50 minutes. And uh, that's pretty much all I have to say. So... Thank you guys for watching, and I will see you guys in the next one. I'm going to cut the video now. You just listened to the official Bathtub Refinishing Podcast, powered by Bathtub Guys Refinishing. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Feel free to ask any questions or suggest topics for the next episode by following at Bathtub Guys on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. And thanks for listening.